We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And today we have a really cool conversation with, I guess, our boy now, Daniel Blue. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about finance and taxes and 401ks and IRAs and Roth IRAs and all of that. Um, and also his business that he's built um, in the past four years. Daniel also opened up to us about his uh, past. And I guess I'll leave it at that for the intro. And um, I guess we could just hop right into it. I like that. Leave it a little mysterious. But yeah, great episode. <laughs> Thank you, Dan, again. Uh, really cool dude. And wish him all the best with Quest Education and his podcast and his books. The list goes on. Awesome. Yeah, awesome guy. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey guys, just wanted to shout out Zencaster, our platform of choice for recording remotely with our guests. Uh, they're sponsoring this episode, so tune in later to hear more about some really great offers. Hey y'all, we're really excited to tell you about Black Ice, the black-owned jewelry business owned by Sean Moore, uh, our previous guest on the Black Box podcast. If you think, if you think about it, Black Ice and like Black Box, it's like it's it's almost like it's meant to be. Exactly. Um, yeah, but you know, we like to focus on investing in the show. So, you know, we kind of look at it as we're partnering up with a asset class, you know, jewelry is considered an investment. And with the, you know, stock market and crypto being pretty volatile right now, and most for the most part going down, um, jewelry, especially precious metals, you know, gold and silver, those tend to preserve their value really well. So, you know, that's also another reason why we think it's a a good opportunity. But also, you know, I've worked with Sean in the past. I got a gift for my mother actually for Mother's Day. It was a pretty, a relatively custom piece, nothing crazy, but, you know, Sean was quick. He was easy. He was responsive. The price was fair. And, you know, we just met up and transaction was easy and my mom loved the gift. So, yeah, if this all sounds good to you, check out Black Ice's website at Black Ice NYC um, and at all socials. And, uh, there's a V instead of an A for the black. So as you guys are probably used to with little letter substitutions by us, but you could find stock goods there. And Sean also specializes in custom goods with quick turnaround times. Yeah. Uh, Sean does great custom pieces. I've seen a bunch of them on his social media, but um, yeah, he's also good for sourcing, you know, like watches, specific Rolexes, anything like that they are looking for. He can also get you a better price than, you know, if you're going to, you know, a bigger name shop or someone that you don't really know that might try to gouge you on the price. So along with that, it's also supporting an upcoming entrepreneur. He's had a lot of success. He just celebrated his one year anniversary of the business. Let's get back to the show now. But hello, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, for coming on. I'm glad we could finally um, find, find the time that works for all of us. But um I guess, could we just get started by having you introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, so I'm an entrepreneur out here in Las Vegas. I own a, a company in the financial space, and uh, I don't have this cool Gary Vee story where I came out the womb wanting to be an entrepreneur. The company I own right now, we've got about 13 employees. We do low seven figures and really kind of just stumbled upon this. And, and I use the word stumbled because there was a lot of stumbling when I was growing up. Uh, after I was 12 years old, my mom pretty much raised me on her own. And there was a lot of financial struggles along the way. And I just remember graduating high school, wanting to figure out a way to 
pay back my mom to help her because she took such a, a brunt of the, the, the workload. Um, my dad ended up moving to Mexico when I was 12 years old. So, you know, financially, um, he wasn't there physically wasn't there. So it was just all on my mom. And, uh, you know, during those struggles financially, I just, again, remember just thinking, man, how can I make money to, you know, help out my mom? My mom just worked her tail off and never complained and just was just such an awesome mom. So got into sales at 18 years old and I figured out college wasn't for me. I went to college at 18 because that's what society told me to do back in 2007, 2008 and dropped out of college because I figured this is not for me. Sales was something that I gravitated towards. And uh, looking back, sales was something that was a gateway that allowed me to find the career um, that I was able to have some success in, in my early twenties. And then, you know, jumped into the financial space uh, about 10 years ago. Of course, we're going to get into it a bunch later on. But when you say the financial space, could you just give like a general overview of what you mean by that? Yeah, so I literally just did a, a video that will be on my Instagram and YouTube. Um, I, my headline to get people's attention was, hey, $3 trillion has been wiped out in the stock market. And this is according to an article from CBS in uh, June, they released it. So to put that into context, people that have 401ks, IRAs, about $3 trillion of that, that money was wiped out, right? So when stocks and mutual funds go down, your 401k, your IRA is probably going to take a hit, right? So what if you had your money in a different place? What if you had your 401k and IRA in a different asset class? And that's where we come in. Um, we don't sell investments, but we're able to help people understand there's a way for you to access your retirement account penalty and tax-free and use that money to invest into your own business. Use that money to invest into real estate, precious metals, private equity, Crypto. I know crypto right now is a touchy subject, right? So the point I'm trying to make is you have the ability. We're pro crypto to, here, right? Hey, I mean, then <laughs> then hey, you guys should be buying on the low, right? Well, I've been a, buying. I've been buying a, in a Roth IRA, a Roth solo 401k, and, and then you know when when Dogecoin goes to the moon, that's that's all tax free <laughs> money. When when your boy Elon just sends a tweet out and and it goes up, it's all tax free <laughs> money. So to kind of circle back. I'm in the self-directed retirement account space, and, and the problem that we solve in the marketplace is, is helping people access their retirement accounts penalty and tax-free. So contrary to what normal people do in like a you know supervised or managed 401k, I guess they have some control over what funds they're going into along those lines. But what are, what do you suggest that people do, or what are you suggesting currently that people do and what type of accounts are you suggesting so that they do have the um, ability to choose what asset classes they're investing in and being able to do that penalty and tax free? Yeah, I mean, it really just comes down to the goals, right? I'll be very you know, transparent and disclose. I'm not a financial advisor. My firm doesn't sell investments. We are pure education. Everything that you find on my podcast, um, on my own website, the language that my employees share with, with customers, you know, we've got over a thousand customers in all 50 States. It's all Googleable information, right? Like a solo yeah. 401k, a self-directed IRA isn't something I just made up today before I got on this podcast. It's IRS approved. It's been around for decades. So to answer your question, it just comes down to their goal. You know, how, how can we help them solve a problem? And 
you know, I, I share this story a lot because it really hits home and it's a heartbreaker, but it's real life. You know, there was a gal out in uh, Northern California, realtor, making six figures, crushing it. And she wanted to invest about $100,000 in a multifamily deal into like some apartment complex back in the East Coast. And she had a bunch of money in a retirement account, like an IRA with Fidelity or Edward Jones. And she just wanted to take a portion of that portfolio, some of her her money, 100000 she had way more. And she wanted to invest it into this multifamily deal. Goes to her financial advisor and says, hey, I want to invest into this property. Can you help me? Advisor is like, no, you know, you're, you're pretty much stuck between a rock and a hard spot, you know, but we can sell you this re, we can sell you this stock that's real estate based. And she's like, no, like I want to invest into this multifamily deal, this apartment complex, like help me. And wasn't able to really help her out. And she ends up taking a distribution and, and just to simplify it for people, basically just a taxable event. So withdraws a hundred K pays penalties and taxes, 30, 40% goes yeah. straight to the IRS. So her hundred K turns into 30 or turns into 60 K 70 K. And she takes that huge taxable hit just so she can use money in her retirement account to fund this, this real estate project. So, you know, when we talk about conversations we have with people is what, what's their goal? What are they trying to accomplish? And if we were able to talk to her during this time, we would have said something along the lines of, Hey, look, have you heard of a self-directed retirement account? Did you know that you can take the money you have in your IRA and move it to a self-directed plan penalty and tax free? And then from there, the hundred K can purchase that multifamily, you know, the shares or however she was going to fund that deal. And now your self-directed retirement account owns that asset. And the, the rental payments, the sale of the property or the refinance, like the profits just flow right back into her self-directed retirement account and you'd have a zero penalty and taxable event, right? So something like that, we can't discover until we understand what the client is trying to accomplish. So it's not a, a one size shoe fits all. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so is it like the lack of education from the advisor on the, the managed retirement account side or is it like they don't want to suggest that you take the funds out of that account and put it into a self-manage because then you wouldn't be paying the fees yeah it's both right you know we had a customer here recently that needed like twenty thousand dollars to fund her online business and why would her financial advisor show her a strategy that allows her to access her retirement account penalty and tax-free take the twenty thousand dollars out buy product for her amazon business get her amazon business scaled and go down that road because the financial advisor doesn't make money that way, right? The financial advisor doesn't make money, you know, when, when, when the lady wanted to use money in her her retirement to invest into that multifamily deal. Right. So it's, it's two, two reasons. One, it doesn't fit their business model, right? They want your money in mutual funds and stocks. That's how they make money. And then two, a lot of it is they're just not educated, right? Like when they get their licenses and they go through their continuing education, they're not learning about these types of plans. They're not exposed to it. Would like with the, with the strategies that you're educating about, would you still recommend if someone works um, a corporate job and they have whatever company they work for, they have some kind of 401k matching program do you think it is still wise to maximize that match rate and then whatever like down the road you could put that money into another account um like completely separately or like what do you think about that 
There's a couple of things. There's not a one size shoe fits all for that type of answer because it comes down to their circumstance. One, you know, how much of a matching contribution are they going to get? Right. Some matching contribution programs are really good. Right. Some of them aren't really so, so hot. Right. So if, if it's like a really, really good matching program, then I would be inclined to look into that a little bit deeper. Then it's like, let's just assume that the matching program is, is great. Right. Okay, then where are the where's the money going, right? Like, is it someone that works for Ford and they just get Ford stock? Um, you know, maybe they're bullish on Ford and they love Ford. There's a argument to that where it's like, well, shoot, if you work for Ford and you get fired and Ford goes to crap, like not only do you lose money in your retirement account, but now your salary is gone, right? So like you're putting all your eggs in one basket. So are you getting shares of a company? that you work for? Um, is it mutual fund based? Like what kind of mutual funds are they? You know, are they tech mutual funds? Like it, it just really comes down to what kind of mutual funds, you know, what are the fees for those mutual funds? Like what kind of performance have they been uh, been having? Like who runs those mutual funds, right? Um, I'm always a bigger proponent of a Roth IRA for someone that you're kind of explaining, like someone that's maybe just getting started out or, you know, they're a nine to fiver and, and they're building up their portfolio. Like really make sure you're maximizing a Roth IRA. Um, obviously, I'm over here talking about self-directed retirement accounts and controlling your own money. However, I, I do think there's a time and a place for the stock market, right? So like Fidelity, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, dope companies, right? They manage trillions of dollars, great software, right? Like they, they know what they're doing over there. You know, you can get started with a Roth IRA over there. It doesn't cost you any money to set up and you can still put in $6,000 a year into that bad boy. You know, and maybe you want to buy an S&P fund or maybe you're like, Apple's not going anywhere. I'm going to buy Apple stock or maybe you love Elon, right? Like a Roth IRA is a great place to start because you're paying taxes on the money you put in, right? You're paying taxes on the seed. But if that 5,000 you put in grew to 20,000 over the years, that 20,000 is 100% tax-free, right? Tax-free money beats matching contributions most of the time, right? it's hard to beat tax-free money and you can get that with a Roth IRA. So, and I know I'm, I'm giving you a loaded answer, but you know, maybe you're someone that would rather max out a Roth IRA first, put in $6,000. And then if you've got some leftover money, okay, let me, let me put some money in my 401k to match that contribution. Um, you know, you, you want to think about a few different things because if you're going to put money in a 401k, you know, how long do you plan on being there? Right. If you're going to be there for a really long time, just remember, if you put money in a 401k and it's tax deferred, it's pre-tax money, unless there's a loan feature on that plan, it's going to be harder to access that money if you needed it for a rainy day. Whereas a Roth IRA, there's a little bit more wiggle room to access the money you put into that account. Like you were saying, it's good to get on top of these things early, especially if your time horizon is large. But an important thing that I learned along the way that kind of switched my thinking about what's a little bit more powerful, a 401k or a Roth, is that if you start out early on in your career, you're probably going to be in a lower tax bracket or hopefully going to be in a lower tax bracket than you would be later in your career when you might want to access that money. So if it's tax deferred, or I mean, if it's pre like post-tax, you already gave your tax, you don't have to pay that later. You don't have to, uh, I guess, get taxed at that higher rate. But if you use a 401k, then you're going to get taxed at a higher rate, correct? It just depends. So the best way to explain to the audience is, you know, don't look at a 401k or an IRA as, 
you know, tax free or not tax free. Look at it as is it Roth or pre tax, right? Because you can have a Roth 401k through your job and that money is 100% tax free as it grows and it stays tax free, right? So if yeah. you have a job right now and you have a 401k there and they have a Roth component, definitely look into that because you can take advantage of locking in the tax rate now and then it grows tax free. I'm not a fortune teller, right? So this podcast might, you know, come back and bite me in the butt. However, <laughs> I just know the government printed a lot of money and we're not the best at managing our money. Ultimately, America is a company, money in, money out. And I just believe that the government's going to pull a lever here, maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years, maybe in 15 years, whatever it is. My daughter's 13 years old. I just have a really strong conviction when she gets older, she's going to be paying a really high tax rate, right? Right now, we're historically at a low tax rate. Uh, I think people forget, like literally Google yeah, tax yeah. rates US and look in the, at the, in the 1950s, 1960s. Like there are some crazy- Like 40%, right? Yeah. I mean, 70, 80%. Um, Ronald Reagan, he would only do one movie a year because he was at like a 70 or 80% tax bracket. So he's like, dude, why am I going to do another movie and literally get like, you know, two cents, on, you know, two cents, you know, for, for every, you know, 20 cents for every dollar. Like, so people forget about that. Um, a lot of people are complaining about the tax rates, but they're pretty low right now. So to circle back a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA, they get taxed the same. The money you put in, you get taxed at it now. And then down the road, if the government raises tax rates, you know, right now, for high income earners is, you know, 20 to 40%, somewhere around there, depending on your earnings. You know, even if the government raised income tax to 50, 60, 70%, doesn't matter with the Roth because you already pay taxes on that money. So it's 100% tax free nonetheless. Gotcha. Yeah, good point. So it's really more between Roth than non-Roth than it is. But, uh, okay. So it, I guess because you, you, like you said, you're not a financial advisor, so we don't want to keep asking you uh, <laughs> what you what you suggest on things. But where does where does Quest come in? Are you guys like let, taking on a client and they're telling you their situation, how much money they make, their what they currently have in their net worth, what debt they have, and then you're kind of pushing them in the right direction or providing supervision or. Yeah. So the, the customer is the captain of their own ship. They decide, yeah. you know, Hey, I want to invest some of this money into precious metals. You know, I have a buddy that has a business. I want to invest into his solar company. You know, I'm about to quit my job. I want to start my own business. I need some capital to fund my business. You know, I've got 20% interest rate credit card debt. I'd love to just, you know, use um, you know, my down, money yeah. to pay off my credit card debt. Right. Um, you know, so, so facilitating that, um, we're just an education company. So we just explain the options, right? Here's a self-directed IRA. Here's how it works. Here are the features, the benefits. Here are some things to look out for. Here are some IRS prohibited transactions. Like the IRS won't let you do certain things. Um, here's what's called the solo 401k. Solo 401k is a self-directed plan specifically for entrepreneurs. Here's how this plan works. Here's what to look out for, right? So really just explain pulling the curtain back and helping people understand the options that are out there and then letting them decide. Um, I always tell people, you know, have a team, right? You should have, uh, an attorney, you know, depending on how far along you are in business, an attorney, right? You know, um, I didn't go to law school. I wasn't born with money. 
Uh, I didn't come from a family full of entrepreneurships. Um, I don't think I saw my first operating agreement until my, my late 20s, right? So we use an attorney for things, right? I'm not an attorney. I don't know the law like that. So I pay somebody. Uh, a CPA, you should have an accountant. I was at an event this last week and speaking and someone was asking me for some tax help. I was like, one, I'm not a CPA, <laughs> but two, who does your taxes now? And she's like, we do. I was like, I'm not a CPA, but that's silly. You're an entrepreneur, yeah. right? Like you shouldn't be doing your own taxes. Um, you know, maybe there's the outlier that's a CPA, CFO minded. They know the tax code. The tax code's always changing. And they're like, I'm going to do my taxes. Okay, great. But for the everyday entrepreneurs like me, you know, I would rather use a professional, right? So what I'm getting at is you should have a team, you know, a CPA, a financial advisor. If you like the concept of self-directing your retirement account and doing some creative things with your IRA and 401ks, then you need to have a company that is familiar with the self-directed space that that can give you some options and help you understand what's out there. Because chances are, you're not going to hear this from your CPA. You're not going to hear this from your financial advisor. So we all can come together and see how we can help you get from point A to point B. Okay. And you, uh, just backtracking a little bit, when you say you stumbled upon this, quest education in general was it like because you had started up your career and you were finding out there were all these questions that you had so then you kind of started looking into it and then building something up yourself or how did you stumble upon it yeah so i'm 18 19 i'm in the sales arena and i'm in the real estate sales space and at this time this is like 2008 2009 i remember hearing a lot of conversations clients associates bringing up an IRA or 401k being used to flip a property, an IRA 401k being used to purchase a rental house. I'm like, how is that possible? How can you do that with a retirement account? Because I was associated 401k and IRAs with mutual funds. Dave Ramsey says, buy this mutual fund, the stock market, right? So that's what I always associated with. So the concept of self-directed retirement accounts was something that I first heard of back in 08, 09. And I'm thinking, man, this is so cool. Like my mom used to bring up the word pension back in the day. Most people are so old school. They just hear 401k and pensions and this whole concept of controlling your own money and using your retirement account now and not waiting and using it how you want to. More people need to hear about this. So I knew it was something, you know, back in 08, 09, 2010 that I eventually wanted to get into. Um, I just wasn't ready for a career change. I just knew in the back of my head it was eventually going to happen. And uh, it happened right around 2014. I switched careers, jumped into the self-directed arena, worked for a company for a number of years, was blessed to be around some awesome people, learned a lot, studied a lot, and and was in the trenches, you know, really understanding how all of this works and uh, had some success with with that company. And uh, along the way, a lot of it through trial and error, I was able to, you know, get my own personal finances in place, where about four years ago, um, I had the... You know, confidence and the resources set aside to start my own company, Quest Education. And, uh, you know, we've been jamming for, you know, the last four years. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the process becomes much easier. Zencaster is an all-in-one web-based solution that makes the process pretty painless and simple. Um, Zencaster allows to bring you guys, our listeners, the best quality by providing crystal clear audio and gorgeous HD video. When we record with our guests, uh, Zencaster is also easy to use for new users and guests. So, you know, when we have 
people on the podcast who haven't used the platform before. We pretty much just tell them to show up with a computer, mic, and uh, headphones, and you're pretty much good to go. Um, Zencast is pretty plug and play. Uh, but from local recording to automated post-production tools, you don't even have to leave the browser to finish off your episode. Use the code zen.ai slash blackbox and enter our promo code blackbox. You'll get 30% off the first three months of Zencaster Pro. It's time to share your story. I did want to ask one general question um, before before we do- really dive into Quest and a bit more about your background. But um, how would you describe the like the main differences and similarities perhaps between an IRA and a 401k? I know this is probably a very general question, but it's probably a question that many people don't know the answer to. Yeah. So the analogy I like to use is, well, one, always think of a retirement account either being tied to an individual or tied to a company, right? So with that train of thought, an IRA stands for individual retirement account. So that's tied to you as an individual, right? A 401k is tied to an employer, right? So it's tied to a company, right? So retirement accounts either going to be something you set up through your own um, your own doing or one associated with the company, right? That's basically how retirement accounts work uh, in a simplistic manner. Now, I always like to say retirement accounts are retirement vehicles. We've all heard that term before, that phrase. And I literally like to take the word vehicle in its literal term, like a car. So think of a 401k and an IRA as a car, right? Think of it as, as a vehicle. And what has to go in this vehicle for it to go. You got to put gas in it, right? And a lot of people have said, especially back in 2008 or, you know, in 2020 during the Rona days when the market really took a crap in like March, April, 2020, right? We all yep. remember that. They're like, man, my 401k lost me money. Man, my, my IRA sucks. My 401k is trash. It lost me money. That's actually not true. That didn't lose you money. The, the, the gas inside the 401k lost you money, right? And the gas, just like there's Supreme gas and diesel, right? Different types of gas that make that vehicle go. There's also different gas that make the IRA, the 401k go, right? So to answer your question, or one way to answer your question is think of an IRA with fidelity. You can put a lot of different gas in it, right? You can buy single equities, Tesla stock, you can buy index funds, um, you know, mutual funds, bonds, right? So just different types of gas. Whereas a 401k through your job, you probably only get like three to five, maybe 10 different types of gas you can put in it, right? You get a conservative mutual fund and an aggressive mutual fund, right? Like just your employer kind of has you buy um, the you know what, right? Like you're just, you know, they're handcuffing you, right? Very many options. Um, and then a self-directed IRA or a self-directed 401k, all types of gas, right? You can do stocks, you can do precious metals, you can do crypto, you can do real estate. You just have a lot more options when it comes to the gas. So, you know, when it comes to the difference between a 401k and IRA, um, you know, is a different type of gas that can go in it. But I think one thing that is really important to stress is a huge fundamental difference between an IRA and a 401k is the loan feature. There's no loan feature on an IRA. There is with the 401k. And that could be a game changer because the the loan feature allows you to actually withdraw 50% of the account value 
or 50K, whichever number is less. And you can take that money out penalty and tax free and use it however you want. So like the story I brought up earlier of the lady using 20,000 from her retirement account penalty and tax free to invest in her online business, she used the loan feature on the solo 401k to do this. She took out 20K penalty and tax free, bought inventory for her business, had five years to take the 20,000 and pay back to her solo 401k. There's an interest rate of prime plus two. So we're talking anywhere from, you know, six to 7% interest on it, depending on when you listen to this podcast, prime is subject to go up, right? Prime is the interest rate the government sets. Um, But this interest goes right back into the retirement account. So essentially you're your own bank and you're just taking money from your right pocket and putting it in your left pocket and you've got five years to pay yourself back and there's zero taxable event and you can use the money however you want. That strategy cannot be done with an IRA. There is no loan feature with an IRA, but there is with a solo 401k and there might be with a 401k through your job, depending on if you have that language in your plan documents through your employer. And there's not a loan feature if you have a 401k from a previous employer. Yeah, I, um, I'm actually in the process right now of transferring my 401k from my previous employer to my new employer. And I was on the phone with someone from the, from the company and they told me, they're like, all right, we have to, we have to send you a check and then you are going to send that check to like your new, um, to your new like financial institution. And I was like, we like, is there no way to do this like electronically? Like, why do we have to do this with a check? And they're like, Oh no, that's just like the way that we do it. I was like, no, when I changed my position in February, I had to do the same thing, except what I did instead of transferring the money from my previous employer's account into, uh, into the current employer's account, I actually just took the money, opened up self-managed IRAs, uh, well, 401k and then a Roth IRA in, uh, fidelity. So I get a little bit more freedom, like you just said, but still not exposure to all asset classes. Cause so my, my new financial institution with my new company, it's, is Vanguard. Right. And they told me that they, the check, like the check is made payable to Vanguard, not to me. Right. So it's like, it's Vanguard, I think on behalf of me. Like FBO. Um, yeah. Yes. Yep. And, um, I don't know. I just, I, that entire process I like yeah. that I'm currently going through just didn't really make sense to me that we're using checks or that this is the way that it has to be done. Right. I, I will tell you, man, that's, that's something my team deals with on a daily basis. Um, and it is pretty wild. It's 2022. And, um, you know, I, I can be, um, I like to run, so I'm a, I'm a long distance runner. I could literally just have my phone and just walk into Seven Eleven and, grab a Gatorade and then just use Apple pay and buy something and then walk out of the store. Right now I know buying a Gatorade is a lot different than, you know, sending a hundred thousand dollar check. <laughs> right. But it's like, come on, man. Like you guys are billion dollar, trillion dollar companies. Like there's no wire. Like we're still sending checks out. Like you want me to fax you something too? So, <laughs> it's wild. Well, also too, it's like a little uneasy for most, I would assume to get like a huge check for your retirement account value and then just have it on your person until you get it into the next account. Yeah. Yeah. Like for they're, God they're forbid something happens. 
the 60 day rule, right? They're just saying, Hey man, yeah. like, get this money within 60 days and, and there's no taxable event, which is true, but it's like, really, we got to go down this road. Yeah. Um, all right. I guess I, I may have taken us a bit off track with that, with that, but, um, uh, I guess I wanted to talk a little bit, Daniel, about your background. Um, so when we were talking in Podmatch, um, and even your, your description, uh, you mentioned that you, like, so basically you, you were a recovering drug addict. Um, do you want to speak to that or is like, is this like a sensitive topic or is this something that no, you've no, I learned? Have, I just have it on my press kit. And then when I get asked the question, I'm like, no, we can't talk about that. Um, <laughs> no, man, I'm, I'm an open book. So, you know, when I started off my story, you know, 12 years old, parents got divorced, dad moved to Mexico. It's just my mom and I, that was a pivotal, pivotal moment. It's interesting. You know, I'm not the only one that had some kind of issues growing up. I think we can all look back at some challenges that we had in our younger life and we can draw upon those and it really does make or break us. And I was grateful enough that I had an, an awesome mom. Like she's an MVP. She's my superhero. And when my dad moved, it crushed my soul. My dad was my soccer coach. My dad was like my homie like we were really tight. So when he moved, and never came back, I never got closure until I was much older, right? Like an adult. So I didn't know why he left. How come he never came back? Is this my fault? Why my parents get divorced? Like what the heck is going on? And my mom's not giving me any answers. And she did that to protect me. Um, but the reason I bring all this up is because I held on to a lot of resentment, a lot of anger. And, you know, in high school, I started looking up to other people that were not good influences. Uh, I started doing alcohol and you know, drinking alcohol, doing marijuana, skipping school. And I just barely stumbled in high school, um, graduated high school. And then I'm still hanging out with the wrong crowd. And um, I start seeking ways to mask my, my anger, my emotions. And that's really why people usually end up doing hardcore drugs is they're just trying to suppress their feelings. So I ended up using Oxycontin um, from, 18 years old to about 20. And that was my way of suppressing my, my anger and my resentment. And for those of you that don't know, Oxycontin essentially is heroin in the form of a pill, super addicting. And, um, got really, really addicted to that every single day. I'm doing about one to two Oxy eighties. For those of you that do not know an 80 is like super, super small. If you cannot see on the camera, I mean, it's, uh, like a fraction of the size of, of, a, of a dime. Like, I mean, like, take a look at a, a thumbtack. It's like smaller than that. And one of those bad boys sold for like 60 bucks, 80 bucks. And I was going through one, one to two a day. And I was spending a lot of money, right? So, you know, I'm going through all this and there's really no end in sight. Like, there's nothing stopping me from stopping using. I tried to stop a couple times just because I knew, like, it was the right thing to do. But I kept relapsing. And um, I end up getting a woman pregnant when I'm 18 years old and that didn't slow me down. I was just like, whatever. I was just so high that I just kept on doing what I was doing. Um, I ended up not being in the delivery room when my daughter was born and that still didn't wake me up. And I remember my mom pulling me aside one day and she's like, look, MFR, if you do not show up in your daughter's life, like I will disown you. And I just remember that that shook me. So I ended up calling my daughter's mom. So, Hey, can, can I see, you know, Bella? 
So that was two weeks into Bella's life. So I didn't see my daughter until she was two weeks old. And I saw her and I remember holding on to my daughter and looking at my daughter and just coming to a conclusion of, man, like, this is what it's like to have a child. Like my blood is in her blood. Like this is, this is surreal. And then I immediately start thinking about my dad thinking, man, I'm sure my dad felt the same way. And you know what? My dad made a lot of mistakes, but he was a really good dad for when he was around. And it's just like something switched guys where like I immediately stopped being a victim and I started becoming grateful because I was a victim up until that point. I remember being 13, 15, 16 years old, looking at my friends that had their dads. And I'm thinking, man, like how come Brendan has his dad? Like his dad gets to pick him up from school. His dad's showing him how to, you know, talk to girls. His dad's showing him how to tie a tie. His dad's showing him how to drive a clutch manual car. Like, how come I don't get that? Like, you know, so it was like, poor me, woe is me. But then when I held Bella in my arms when I was 19 years old, it, it, it switched. Instead, I was like, man, I'm so grateful that I had a dad up until I was 12 years old. I, the dad I had was freaking a stud. Like, I'm so grateful. Thank you, God, that I had an amazing dad for the time I did. And some people don't even have a dad. So I'm grateful that I even had one. And if people have a dad, there's some people that have a dad that's a freaking piece of crap their whole life. And at least that's not my situation. So like, I'm thinking about all these things and it's like, I had this epiphany and like, I immediately forgave my dad at that time. And, um, I still didn't stop using drugs. I I say all this and you think, well, you know, he would have stopped using drugs that day. Unfortunately not because I tried to get clean from Oxycontin and I kept getting sick. Like literally what happens if you don't use heroin? Drugs are strong. Yeah. I mean, I'm throwing up. I have diarrhea. I mean, I have everything. Right. So it's like, I kept trying to get clean and it, it wouldn't change. And November, 2009, my daughter is six months old at this time. And it's Thanksgiving day. My mom was making turkey. Bella was at my house. And I remember telling my mom, hey, I'm going to go grab a Red Bull. I'll be right back. But that was a lie. I went and tried to get some pills. And no one was picking up. No one was picking up the phone. No one was coming through. And I'm all out of pills at this time. And after about an hour, I realized, man, I'm not going to be able to get high today. And I'm in my car. And I remember thinking, having a conversation with myself. Like, dude, like, what are you doing with your life? Like, it is Thanksgiving Day, and your daughter is six months old at the house waiting for you. And, dude, you are a piece of scum. Like, your daughter is young enough to not know how big of a piece of shit you are. What's going to be her reaction when she's five years old, 10 years old? Like, you're really not even in her life right now. Like, yes, you're there, but you're not. And you're doing the same thing that your dad did to you. Like, and, and I start having that conversation and that, that rock bottom moment. And at that point, that's when I quit cold turkey. Uh, I ended up moving to Las Vegas like that week, um, that month, because I knew if I could change my environment at the time I lived in St. George, Utah, it's about two hours away from Las Vegas. I knew if I could change my environment that I could get clean because what happens is, and this is, I think a lesson for everyone, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. You know, you have to change your environment if you want a different result. And I was not getting the result I was seeking. So I needed to change my environment. And I was confident if I could be in a new city, a new phone number, new friends, new associates, that I could kick Oxycontin once and for all. And uh, I moved into moved to Las Vegas end of 2009. 
And, uh, you know, I've been in Las Vegas ever since I've been clean since Thanksgiving, 2009. Um, my daughter is 13 years old. I literally just posted a, a picture on my social media of her and I, uh, first day of school. I took her to school today. She lives with me. Um, so it's, it's been quite the, you know, comeback story from, from that perspective, but it did take some time for me to forgive myself for not being there for my daughter when she was born. Um, however, you know, we can't beat ourselves up. You know, we all make mistakes. And at the end of the day, if uh, you have another day to live, you know, that's just another day to, to make a difference and, and make that comeback. Thank you for wow. sharing that. No, that was yeah. a great story. I feel like also one thing, and this isn't really related to uh, Quest or anything more, just this story and addiction in general. Uh, I feel like people forget or don't, maybe because they can't be empathetic because they haven't been in the same position, but you know, they kind of put a lot of the blame on, on the addict in those situations, even though they forget that it, it's like truly a disease. And I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it's more just that. I feel, I feel like I can almost pick, uh, continue on your yeah, thought. Yeah. So I, I moved to, um, from New York, uh, to San Francisco about two months ago. And my commute to work requires, like I, I walk about, about 10, 15 minutes. And then I, I hop on a bus to get to work and whether it's the morning or the afternoon, I will, it's like guaranteed. I will see people either laying down on the sidewalk, like doing crazy, just absolutely crazy things at like seven in the morning or 5 PM. Like, um, but like what really hits me like every single time without failure is when I see someone who looks like they are my age or younger and they're just slumped on the sidewalk and like you have you have no idea like what how they're feeling at that moment because you're just you're just like you're just walking past them right they could be in pain they could be like a statistic I, I remember hearing is that on average like I think it was like one or two people die every day in in the city of San Francisco due to drug overdoses and I was just like, holy shit, like these people, like some, I could be walking past someone who desperately needs help and I'm doing nothing. And I don't know, it, it, it was something to me that was like a real eye opener at the entire um, problem of, of addiction and how there's like a negative stigma about it, uh, where I feel like the, like the like John was alluding to the blame might be put on the person rather than trying to help the person overcome the problem. If that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah. And I, and I guess j just to finish off my thought too, it's like, you know, you said you needed and and part of your healing process was to stop victimizing yourself, but you know, you were able to also figure out what you needed or in your environment and around you for you to get clean. But for, some people that's not the situation because no one's around to give them that realization or put that thought in their head. But maybe if they were to get that help or that idea, they could do the same. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm really transparent with my story because, you know, I know I'm not the only one with uh, a dark past. I'm not the only one that deals with temptation and addiction. I, I, ha I do have a hot take. I, I don't believe and there'll be people that, you know, don't agree with me. I, I don't believe that addiction is a disease. Um, I believe addiction is a choice. Now, 
there are some outliers, right? Like there are some legitimate mental illnesses where, you know, that, that person you're describing in San Francisco, that's on the side of the road, that's just high on heroin. You know, maybe they legitimately have schizophrenia, right? Like they legitimately have a mental illness and, you know, there's some, some illnesses behind, behind that. And they're using meth to cope, right? Like, so I, I'm aware of that, but you know, I think most of the time it's, it's a choice, right? Like, choose your heart. It's, it's hard to deal with life, you know, when you're sober, right? Like that was probably the hardest part is not the withdrawals. It was six months after being clean, being, being past the withdrawals. And then when adversity hit me, when a challenge faced me, when I got a curveball thrown my way, how can I manage my day? How can I get through this without just being like, you know what, dude, this problem I'm dealing with right now, it can wait. Let me go get snort something in my nose. Let me feel better. Right. Like that's what, you know, the, the drugging me wanted to do. Right. And that's maybe people listening to this have, you know, a family member or they themselves have dealt with it. But, you know, ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it's how bad you want it. And, and you're right. You know, I was blessed to really have my mom, um, you know, be there to give me some, some words of, uh, encouragement slash I'm not going to enable you MFR. Like I am going to, you know, uh, desert you. I'm going to, you know, uh, completely leave your life if you do not show up for your daughter. Right. So that, that's huge. You know, I, I feel for people out there that don't have family and, and, and things of that nature. I do think there's just, when there's a, a, a will, there's a way, right? Like there's a ton of support groups out there. There's, you know, AA, you know, Narcotics Anonymous, you know, uh, NA, right? Like church groups, like there's a lot of people, you know, that want to help people, right? But you can't help people that don't want to help themselves. And for a really long time, I didn't want to help myself because I was in my own way. And I think ultimately there's a path that I took and, you know, there's a path that everyone takes. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer for other people to, you know, find the light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes, unfortunately, people don't find that light. And a lot of it has to do with they're just in their own way. They know it. They don't want the help. And that's just what they choose. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a very interesting perspective, especially, um, especially given your past. It is like, to me, very interesting to hear that. Um, because I, I have I've I've heard very similar um, perspectives uh, where it, it's like it's almost like as if they're doing it to themselves. But is like the the element of like physical addiction, right? Does that like could you make an argument for that superseding like anyone's like mental strength to say like, no, I'm not going to do it? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's real talk, right? So like, I'll just keep it, you know, super real with your listeners. Um, so when I got off of Oxycontin, you know, I tried to get clean five, 10, 15 times. And every time it was take some methadone because you can't, you can, but just quitting cold Turkey going from doing, you know, 80 to 160 milligrams of, of Oxy one day. And then the next day quitting and not doing anything the following day and the day after, like you're going to get hit hard with withdrawals. So popular drugs, it's funny. They give you a drug, the, the doctors, right? The yeah. pharmaceutical industry, they give you a drug to get off a drug. Right? So the drugs that are popular, and I don't know these days if they're so popular, but methadone, uh, suboxone, right? Those are, you know, essentially they, they help with the crave. You're not high, but you know, it's like you're high, but you're not high. Right. So 
you know, I would take methadone and Suboxone, um, but it just wasn't enough for me. Like I would, I would do it. And then three, four days later, like, you know, I would get in a fight with my, you know, the mother of my, my daughter, and then I'd get mad and, you know, um, being dramatic and immature. And then I would just go get like really high. Right. Um, so whatever the excuse was, I just never was able to get past it. But when I finally hit that rock bottom, like I told you guys in, in November, um, Thanksgiving, 2009, um, I remember I did Suboxone for like three days and, and the way you're supposed to do it is you're supposed to take a little bit of it every single day and you take a smaller portion every day and eventually until you wean off of it. Yeah. Like the third or fourth day, I remember taking like, like the smallest of smallest crumbs, like, and you put it under your tongue. And I just remember like that fourth, fifth day, I was like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I'm really taking like like a, a, a smallest of smallest crumbs, like literally like, a, like you guys seen like Himalayan, Himalayan salt, like salt chunks, yeah. like just like that, but even smaller. And I was like, dude, I'm just going to stop cold Turkey. So I stopped the next day and like, I started getting the withdrawals. What really helped me with the physical withdrawals for the first 30 days was weed. Like marijuana, like super helped me like be able to sleep, um, you know, help with some of the the limitations um, that I started to feel physically. Um, it's funny now, and they, it's probably because they put way too much chemicals in the weed now. Like, dude, I don't even like smoking weed. Like, it gives me paranoid anxiety. Like, I, I I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm yeah. good with one cocktail if that, and I'm in bed at nine <laughs> o'clock. But you know, twenty uh, year old version Danny Blue. Um, you know, marijuana definitely helped me with, with, uh, you know, getting, getting clean in terms of, you know, those withdrawals and not having to rely on, you know, pills. So everyone's a little bit different, right? You know, some people had to drink some tequila to kind of take the edge off, whatever it is. That's what I'm saying. Like when there is a will for you to get clean, you know, and, and my will was, man, I cannot do what my dad did to me, to my little girl, like being absent, being gone. I can't do that to her. It was done to me and I don't like the way I felt and that wasn't right. So I can't do that to her. So like that was my motivation. Um, and then what's crazy is, you know, after I, I smoked weed for about a month with, with those withdrawals, you know, then it's, you know, some, some other issues in the sense of like, now I'm completely sober. How do I deal with life being sober? And I think that's where a lot of people relapse when they're clean three months, six months, a year, they relapse because it's not physical withdrawals. It's, oh, I'm dealing with life now and I can't just mask it with, you know, uh, alcohol or marijuana or drugs. Right. So, I mean, th this is a hot take that I have, but obviously different drugs, different substances that people use and abuse, they all have different levels and different you know, trade-offs of positives and negatives that they bring into your life. But th well, the, the argument, not the argument, but the point I was trying to make before is that a lot of people aren't really that far from going to something like oxys. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people right now are, you know, it, struggling to just live sober lives because of the situation that they're currently in and, you know, the environment that that's around them, the people that are in their life and the negatives that are affecting them every day. So I feel like that's, where the, the human aspect that I was trying to bring in before, but yeah, I mean like what, what was the things that you would tell yourself in the moments that you were struggling the most to like, you know, get, get through it or tell yourself, was it like reminding you of your kid and reminding you that you don't want to repeat the same things that your dad maybe did? Not that he did the same things, but just not being present in your child's life. You know, I, I think it's the same things that I apply in my life now, right? I'm, I'm 33 years old. Um, I've got a few more gray hairs than I had 
you know, back in 2008, definitely still making mistakes, but more wiser than I was 10, 12, 13 years ago. So what worked for me then, and what's crazy, it's like these days would probably be the days that I would actually be more susceptible to using drugs because of the stress that a business owner faces, right? Like dealing with employees and, and, and dealing with, you know, this problem and this fire and, you know, this didn't work out. And Oh shoot. I just lost tens of thousands of dollars here. Like, you know, just different kinds of real life problems. Right. But what keeps me focused and, and keeps me, you know, on a good path and what helped me, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago was one, the environment, like your environment has to be on point. Like you have to really audit your environment. Like is what you're putting your energy towards? What is coming from the outside and going in your brain, is that helping you, right? Is it giving you peace? Is it giving you prosperity, right? Is it doing those things for you, right? Is it moving the needle, right? Maybe it's eliminating that person in your life, that friend from high school that just isn't good for you, right? And that sucks because you went to school with them. You know, you guys know each other's families, but they're just not right for you. And that's okay. Not everyone is meant to be your friend forever, right? So, you know, your environment has to be really on point, right? I don't watch the news. Um, You know, I'm very careful on what I read. I'm very careful on when I do scroll social media, what's in my feed, right? Because I want to make sure what's coming in my brain, I'm feeding it, right? I look at our brain as a plant, a tree, right? And it's either growing or it's dying. And a way that it can grow is the type of nourishment you you provide, right? So that was really big for me back in the day. You know, I surrounded myself with some really high level people, positive people. And I say high level, I'm not talking about like millionaires. I'm talking about just like good people trying to level up, you know, trying to grow and, and, and be a better person. Um, so that was really, really huge. And that's huge for me today. Um, and then the second part is is moving your body, right? Like I know if I don't exercise, if I don't sweat, then I know I'm just going to be more anxious. I know I'm going to be more stressed and that's going to make me have weaker decision making abilities, right? I can make decisions better and I can deal with emotions and the highs and the lows if, if my mindset's right. And my mindset's going to be a lot closer to being really, really strong if I'm taking care of myself physically, right? And, you know, I mentioned earlier, I do long distance running. Like that's my meditation. Um, I go to the gym. I lift weights. That's that's my sanctuary. You don't have to do those things, right? Maybe it's walking your dog. Maybe it's stretching for 20 minutes. Maybe it's doing yoga. Maybe it's getting on a bike. Maybe it's going on a hike, right? Like moving your body is so important. And I think a lot of people you know, make an excuse why they can't move their body. I'm busy or, you know, this, this, and that. I don't have time, right? But I'm telling you, there's a correlation between your your moving, the body movement, exercising, and mental health. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I We both have talked about this, but I feel like I'm definitely an advocate of, you know, getting – picking your meditation or physical exercise, whatever you like to do and what's going to be best for you. But when I sat down like post-college and started thinking about, you know, in high school and growing up, I was an athlete, multi-sport athlete. I never really experienced that much anxiety. Also, I was younger, so I didn't, I wasn't aware of all the problems that really existed in the world. But once I got to college, 
I started focusing more on partying, drinking, doing the usual college experience. And that also led to me ignoring my physical health and my eating habits for, you know, three, almost four years until I got diagnosed with Crohn's and I turned my kind of lifestyle around. But when I sat down and compared how I felt on a day-to-day basis then and how I feel now, now that I get, you know, cardio every day, I hit the gym five times a week, whatever, do the things that I need to do. I realized the effect it had was night and day. And I a hundred percent will always recommend that to people or like when they come to me and they're talking about if they're anxious about things, the first thing I ask them is like, are you getting consistent physical activity? Are you eating a good diet? Cause that's just a, a start. It's not going to be the cure to people's mental illness, of course, but hundred percent. And, uh, another thing, the point that you made about maybe there's a friend that you had and you grew up with your whole life, but they're just not good for you. I was always the person that felt like I needed to try to bring my friends along with me or convince them to do the same things that I'm doing and better their lives. But I realized at some point along the way, you're going to hurt yourself more than you are even going to help them. Because until you fully accept that that those are the things you want to do and the changes you want to make, you can't really get someone else to do it for you. That's what I'm trying to say. You have to make that decision on your own. So sometimes you just need to make the hard decision, which could be dropping that person or, you know, ditching this habit or taking on this new workout regimen or this new diet because even though it's hard in the moment you know it's going to pay dividends and it's going to make your life better down the road yeah i think we should strive to be told man like you've really changed lately man i've noticed a lot of changes in you like if we're not hearing that from other people we're not making moves and you have to be very very careful when you're told that because one, they're going to tell it to you in a way where they're casting shade, right? They're not clapping for you. They're not cheering for you. They're not happy for the, to see you make those changes. It's like, you think you're better than me. As soon as you hear that, then you just know they're not on your team. And it makes sense to just not talk to them as much, right? Like it just makes sense to, to move on, right? Because ultimately you should be changing. Right. And, and that's the other side is when someone says, man, like, dude, you're seen, I've seen a lot of changes in you, man. Like you're freaking like you're crushing it, man. Like, I love what you're doing. Right. Like, you know, that person is actually excited to see your growth. Right. Um, but people that are casting shade and, and a lot of the times they're just projecting their insecurities on you. Right. They're not doing good financially. They're fighting with their girlfriend. Right. They're, you know, self-confident or they're lacking confidence with their weight or their fitness or like they're just our own insecurities and they see you shining your light and they expect you to dim your light so they feel better nah like that's 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 not you shouldn't have to you know go down to their level in in that respect right it's you know hey if if we've been homies for for x amount of years like i would expect you to want to see me do well like i want to see you do well and uh, like i said earlier not everyone's meant to be your friend forever yeah i guess um like a, a closing remark that I have um, just because I, I don't want to take too much of your time, Daniel. Um, but I've, I've, I don't remember who told me this saying, but at some point I heard, and it's always stuck with me that you are the average of your five best friends, right? Your friends, like whoever, like a friend could be anyone could be like coworker, family member, like anyone, right? But the people that you 
spend the most time with the people that you trust the most, the people that um, you communicate with the most are most likely going to have the largest impact on your life and who you are as a person. Um, So Daniel, when you were just describing like how you felt the need to change your environment to like, kind of like change your way of doing things, I, that's something that I thought of um, like how your, your, your friends at any moment in your life kind of dictate at least some aspect of who you are. But Daniel, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for, for your time and for telling us all about your story. It was um, very interesting to talk, to go about talking about taxes and addiction in the same podcast episode, but can't say we've ever yes. done that. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a fir- the, there's a first for everything. <laughs> uh, I guess before we wrap things up, I, if there's any more comments you want to make, feel free to have the floor now. But also, if you want to just plug your, if you want to plug Quest website, your social medias, anything like that, feel free to go ahead and do that now. Yeah. So just to keep it simple for people. Best place to go is DanielBlue.me. So that was Daniel Blue, like the color.me. That's my page. So you can check out my podcast. I have a podcast called How Winners Win. The mission there is to help people win in their personal life, their entrepreneur life, their financial life. And uh, also I have a book called Blueprint to Your Best Retirement. And the book I wrote uh, teaches people how to make money tax-free, how to access their retirement account penalty and tax-free. So you can pick it up on my website. You can get it on Audible, uh, Kindle, physical copy. And then I have a lot of free information on the site too. Um, a lot of articles I wrote for Forbes and other publications that you can learn more about solo 401ks and some cool stuff in, in that space. And then um, all my social media handles are on, are on there as well. And if I've got your wheels turning and you're thinking, well, shoot, I've got an IRA, I've got a 401k. I'd love to access this money penalty and tax-free. I want to learn more. There's uh, some some things that you can do on that website that uh, you know can can have you jump on the phone with our team and see if we're a good fit. Perfect. All righty. Um, yeah, Daniel, I really appreciate it. And thank you for being open about your experience. I feel like that's, uh, you know, something sometimes people in the entrepreneurial world or just anyone that's listening to the podcast in general forget sometimes when you're in the grind, in tunnel vision, we forget that these are struggles that a lot of people are going through. And to be able to come back from that and get to where you are and build a business that's successful is really great. And it serves you as a good role model. Yeah. Hey, um, I'm uh, still growing like everyone else. So I, I appreciate the time that, uh, that we had today and, uh, the, the invite that you guys extended to me. We appreciate it too. Likewise. Um, I guess I'll send us off. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening. You know where to reach us. Black box podcast, no A in the black on Instagram and Twitter, black box podcast with an A in the black on TikTok. Thanks again, Daniel. And we will see you next time. Oh, my God.